0: So this is a big part of my job as campus minister with RUF that I stand up here every week on Wednesday nights um, and open the Bible with you. Uh, But again, that's only part of my job. Um, I'm here. The reason I'm here is because of you, uh, because of students, uh, to get to know students, to meet with students, to be friends with students, I hope. I think I'm still young enough and cool enough for that, maybe. But if you ever want to get together, if you ever want to meet, if you ever want to talk, uh, that's what I'm here for. Uh, All you have to do is ask. I promise I will find some time and we can get together. I'm on campus almost every day, whether in the UC or in Einstein's uh, under the library, all around. Uh, If you see me, say hello. Um, If I just met you tonight, please don't ask me to tell you your name because I will fail. A lot of you are here for the first time, and we're so excited to have you Um, What is RUF? Uh, We're just a community of students um, trying the best we can to learn what it means and how to love God and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Uh, We don't do it perfectly, and we never will. Uh, But we want RUF, something you'll hear me say uh, very regularly, I hope, is that we want RUF. Our prayer is that RUF would be a safe place for the convinced and the unconvinced. A safe place to process for the convinced and unconvinced. To process the truth claims of Christianity. So you can be convinced of Christianity or unconvinced. And we hope this is a safe place for you. You can be doubting um, or you can be assured in your faith. We hope this is a safe place for you. You can be struggling mightily or you can be having the best semester of your life. And we hope this is a safe place for you. Um, If you're new here tonight, whether a freshman or a transfer student, or maybe you're just checking out RUF for the first time, I would ask you this. Give us three weeks. Come for three weeks just to see what we're about, um, to get a good picture of what we're about. Um, and, And I hope, again, whether this ends up being your campus ministry or not, I still hope you find it to be a safe place, okay? So... How do we go about being a safe place? Well, at least on Wednesday nights, what our practice is, is usually every semester we pick a book of the Bible uh, and we work our way through it. And this um, semester, as you can see, we are in Revelation. uh, Graphic creds to one Nate Flowers over there. He is awesome. So um, we're in the book of Revelation, you know. Going into every semester, students and other people that I know, they're always like, so what are you doing this semester? Um, And the response is usually, oh, that sounds great. But then, when you say you're doing Revelation, everybody, Uh (laughs) uh-oh. Okay. Um, or, whoa, okay, oh, this is going to be awesome. And I don't know what you think when you hear that we're going to be working through the book of Revelation. I don't know what kind of baggage you bring into this room with regards uh, to the book of Revelation. You could think they're just doing that so they can get butts in the seats, a way to just attract people. Uh, you could think, man, Christians are so obsessed with this stuff. Why don't they like, talk about practical, real things, right? Revelation, in this weird kind of way, is kind of like the black sheep of the Bible. Um, like, we know it's there, but we don't really want to talk about it, right? Um, whether because we don't know what it's about or we it just, it, you know, how people have used it wherever. It's like Stranger Things. I won't ask who hasn't seen it because you should be embarrassed. Um, but Stranger Things on Netflix, if you haven't seen it, go home and you won't sleep tonight because you're going to watch all of it. But it's great. Um, it's kind of like the upside down. And Stranger Things, right? Um, It's kind of this parallel, three-third dimension, whatever, fourth dimension. I don't know how many dimensions we live in. Um, You know, the upside down, it's there, but you don't really want to go there because there are creepy things there, right? Uh, We kind of feel uh, that way about the book of Revelation. And for those of you who've seen Stranger Things, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And those of you who haven't want me to shut up because you're tired of me talking about it. But I want you to look, if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Revelation chapter 1. The very beginning, we're going to start here. The first eight verses. If you have a handout, it's printed for you there. Or if you have your Bibles, you can read along with me. I want you to look, before I read the whole thing, look at verse three. What John says about this book at the beginning Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear. So, something interesting about Revelation that maybe we don't hear all the time is that actually there's something supposed to be, there's something positive that's supposed to happen when we read this book, when we talk about this book, when we hear this book read. And that's my hope and prayer for you this semester, if you keep coming back, is that you will realize how true that this verse is, that we can actually put Revelation back in our Bibles, and that the images here that we'll see all semester are ones that will bring you comfort and encouragement uh, and blessing. Because, as I'll suggest to you in a minute, that's exactly what they were intended to do. That's what we're going to be looking at this semester. So, let me pray for us and then we'll read this passage. Father, we do thank you for this night. We thank you for another year. Uh, We thank you for um, the heat in this room. We pray that it would work to our advantage in some mysterious way. Um, But, Father, we do, just as we pause for these few minutes and we read your word, We pray that it would be just that, Your Word, that You would speak to us, that You would pour out Your Spirit in this place, in our hearts, Father, that we would see Jesus, and that He would be more beautiful and maybe even more believable than we ever thought possible. pray all these things in His name. Amen. If you would, read with me first eight verses here of Revelation chapter 1. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of kings on earth to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. And made us a kingdom, priest to His God and Father. To Him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, He is coming with the clouds and every eye will see Him. Even those who pierced Him and all tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was. And who is to come, the Almighty. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. So I want to look at just two things tonight. Two things. And they're there for your handout if you're of the note-taking type. The way that John wants this book to bless us is because it does two things for us. And He will do two things for us as He takes us on this journey. He's going to give us a new perspective and He's going to show us a person. Okay? He's going to give us a new perspective and He's going to show us a person. So the first thing is this new perspective. John wants to give us, and he will be giving us, a new perspective. All of us, every person in this room has had a time in their life, um, and if you spent just a minute or two thinking about it, you could probably think of one, where things did not go as you expected them to maybe not necessarily as you planned them to but just as you, they just didn't go as you expected them to and it happened in such a way that the aftermath left you confused maybe even scared maybe even a little bit lonely because your expectations our expectations whether we're conscious of them or not at all times that those are that's the lens through which we are looking at the world we all have certain expectations about how things are going. If you're a freshman, okay, you don't know that much about college, right, because this is your first second day in it, right? But still, there's some sense of expectation you had coming here before you drove here on Saturday of how things would go in these few days. And some of you are living the dream. You're living the dream that you had about what this was going to be like, right, in the first few days. Others of you, you're already scared to death, and you are not alone, I promise you. Right? We view the world through the lens of our expectations. Um, I remember this story uh, this morning as I was as I was thinking about this, and I texted my wife for confirmation. But there was some time this summer where I came home, and my wife was out in the garage running on our elliptical. Uh, and I went inside, and I found our little girl. Kind of like in the fetal position in our, she's five years old, in the fetal position, kind of sobby, weepy, uh, on the floor, floor of our closet. I was like, Well, Graham, what's wrong? And she said, Mommy left. I said, No, 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 Mom, Mommy didn't leave. She's, she's right out in the garage. It's fine. But that wasn't it. <laughs> she thought, She said, I thought Mommy went to Mexico. Now, context for that is a year ago, she went to Mexico on a mission trip around the same time of year. But, like, there was nothing to to prompt her to that, right? But for some reason, in the moment of that day, she probably needed a nap. She thought mommy had left her without saying goodbye to go to Mexico, right? And she was left alone and afraid, right? And she was trying to process it. This has happened to all of us in one sense or another, uh, whether serious or or not so serious. We've expected one thing, but we've gotten something totally different, right? That relationship ended when you thought there was no way it was ever going to end. You just knew y'all were going to make it. Everybody else knew you weren't going to make it, but you just knew you were going to make it, right? Sorry, I'm touching sore spots, I'm I'm sure. Or you're back for another school year, right? And all of a sudden... Well, I was friends with that person, but she hasn't talked to me since we got back. Right? Or I worked so hard. I worked so hard, but I did not get into the school I wanted to. Or I didn't get that job that I thought I would. Or my family has been the most steady thing in my life. But there was that day that I got the phone call. We're getting a divorce. There's a the loved one that you never ever. It never even crossed your mind of going a day without that person in your life, and they've passed away, and you're left alone to pick up the pieces, right? Maybe you even became a Christian, and now you're finding yourself saying, not only am I not better than I was before, I think I'm worse, we all view the world through the lens of our expectations. The, and those moments, these moments like this, they leave us hurt, they leave us confused, they leave us alone, and they leave us afraid. Because moments in life like that, when they go contrary to our expectations, assumed or not, um, they make no sense to us and we're left to try to process it, to try to make sense of it. And so I've got good no- news for you. The book of Revelation was written exactly for people like that. Exactly like people for that. You're talking about the Apostle John, who is right. we'll talk about this more in a couple weeks, who is writing to seven churches. Okay, seven churches in Asia Minor. Churches that he knew names and faces of the people in these churches. He knew what they were going through. He knew the kind of persecutions they were facing and the sufferings that they were facing. These are people that had given their lives to this man Jesus who had not lived many years before them and all of a sudden they're looking around and the world is falling apart the empire is falling apart my brothers and sisters in Christ are being fed to animals in the arena how do i make sense of that it's that context that jesus gives this revelation through john and the thing is is he didn't aim for it to change their circumstances and it doesn't but he did have a full expectation that it would change them how would he do that? Because John knew they were going to get a new perspective, a new way to see. The first thing is the, the, the very first word there, uh, or the second word, but if you're counting the, um, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The Greek word there, like you care, but it's apocalypsis, right? And we hear that, the apocalypse of John. And what do we, what is, just shout it out. What is the first thing you think of when you hear the word apocalypse? Zombies. I heard it. I think I heard it. I'm gonna pretend like I heard it. Zombies. We think zombies. We think uh, the Hunger Games. Uh, We think um, Divergent. We think all these dystopian nightmares, right? That's not what the Greek word apocalypsis means. You wanna know what it means? It means revelation. You know what revelation means? It means to reveal. You know what to reveal means? It means to make something more clear. And you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute. Revelation is like the least clear book in the Bible. And to a degree, I agree with you there. But the word means to reveal. Okay? Look at verse 1. It was given to him to show his servants. Verse 2. And he bore witness even to all that he saw. Something was revealed to John. And now John is going to reveal it to us. There is something to be shown to us. Not covered up. Not hidden. Not made more mysterious. Was to be shown something, okay? And now you might say, okay, I agree with you there, but John saw some pretty messed up stuff. And I agree with you that this is strange to us. It's not common. But you got to hear this. I love this. It's an introductory tidbit of fact. But listen to this. Of its over 400 verses, the book of Revelation has over 500 direct references or allusions to the Old Testament. Hear that again. In its over 400 verses, Revelation has over 500 direct references or allusions to the Old Testament. Meaning, yes, it is a book loaded with images, but it is a book loaded with images from the Bible. John didn't make it up. I'm not going to talk much about interpretive keys or codes or I'm not going to talk about codes. I can promise you that. But I'm not going to be talking about that kind of stuff this semester. But I do want to say this. If you want a key or you want a code, let this one rule your mind and your heart as you read the book of Revelation. Scripture interprets Scripture. And we'll be looking at some of that throughout the semester. Okay? So it's it's to reveal. But the second thing, as we said, verse 3, it's to bless. It's to bless us. That's a positive thing. Okay? Between... Movies. If you grew up in the church or grew up around the church, between movies, youth retreats, special weekends, late night movies, I don't know what people do these days, but over and over again, this book has been used to beat people over the head to this end. Heaven or hell, which one are you going to choose? And that's probably an enduring image for most of us when we think about the book of Revelation. I got a question for you. If you have a friend struggling with anxiety... Are you going to give them the new book that you read entitled 10 Ways You're Probably Already Screwing Up Your Life? You're not going to do that, right? At, at least if you love the person. Um, unless you're doing like reverse psychology. But I don't think that's going to work. Jesus himself knows what His people's going through. his people are going through. We'll see that in a couple of weeks. John, the apostle, knows what these people in these churches are going through. And he wants to bless them. He wants to encourage them. He wants to build them up. He wants to make things clearer. Is it possible? He wants it to change them. He wants it to encourage them. He wants it to encourage their imagination. He wants to pull back the veil. He wants us to see things the way that He gets to see them. Um, He wants us to experience what He's experiencing because He's sure that if we do, it will change us. That's what He wants to do. You don't have to be at my house uh, for more than 60 seconds, really for one of my four children to grab your hand and say, come with me, (laughs) right? I'm usually saying, go away, leave him alone. Um, I don't do that all the time. Anyway, and they'll say, come with me. They'll take you to their room, right? Because they want to bring you into their world. My kids love students, right? They want to bring you, uh, into their world. My little, my little girl, five years old, if, uh, She takes your hand and takes you upstairs to her room. She's taking you to Barbie hell. I mean, heaven. Um, um, Heaven or hell, which, no, never mind. Um, She loves Barbie. She's got like 80 of them now. She's got a Barbie house. She's got a Barbie van. Uh, She's got a Barbie RV. She's got a Barbie kitchen. She's got all the Barbie, right? And why does she want you to come to Barbie with her? Because she loves it. And she wants you to love it too. Come with me. That's what John's doing. But here's the thing. We never grow out of this, do we? We never grow out of this. This this was the big draw of Facebook years ago when it first got big. But now for your generation, it's like Insta and uh, Snapchat, right? Yes, there's the whole like pretending my life is better than it actually is. But at the same time, there's those things that we experience and we love and we put it out there. Why? Because we want people to experience with us. I had this awesome night at this thing. And I want people to be a part of that. I want them to see it. I want them to find the joy in it that I did, right? We want our friends to experience the things that we love. Look, we are in two days. We already knew. We already know who had an amazing summer, right? And we already want you to shut up about it. <laughs> um, we already know that you met that girl. And yes, you might be into her, but we're just not that into her. Stop talking about her. Yes, you've told me that story. I think five times. Right? We know what's going on in people's lives because they share with us the things that they love because they want us to share in them with us. With we, they want us to share in them with them. Okay, John is trying to show us what he's seeing and to invite us in because he knows if we see it, it will begin to shape us. That's what he's doing. I don't know where you are tonight. I don't. You know, it's it's going to be a wide range in a room this size. Maybe you're bored to death with Christianity and you're really surprised that you even found yourself here. Maybe you're, you'd use the term dry, right? You, you don't know the last time that you actually wanted to read your Bible or talk about Jesus. Maybe you had a terrible summer and you're either struggling with the shame of it all or you're actually kind of shocked that you think you're okay with it. If any of those describe to you, I would suggest that revelation is your antidote. What is contained in this book? The doors of heaven were swung open to John so that he could tell us what he saw. That's the point. And he wants to show us and he wants to take us and he wants to capture our imagination, to evoke our wonder and to captivate our hearts. And that sounds good and everything, right? But how in the world is he going to do it? How in the world is he going to do it? Second thing. Second thing. He gives us a new perspective because he's going to show us a person. Don't miss it. Verse one the revelation of Apache helicopters in the Middle East. No, of Jesus Christ. The revelation of Jesus Christ. The revealing of Jesus Christ. It's not the title of the book. It's the topic. It's what it's about. And it's what John's going to show us. The main agenda of Revelation, hold your breath, is not a roadmap or chronology of the end times. Dun dun dun. It's about Jesus. It's about Jesus ruling and reigning as he sits enthroned at the right hand of his Father. Even now, right now but we'll see here's the thing we're going to see that this book's not just about him or, or that the book is not just supposed to be about him but our entire lives are about to be about are to be about him as well verse eight. Jesus himself says, I am the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end and everything in between. We all have an alpha point in our lives, right? A beginning, a beginning point. And what Jesus is saying is that you have to begin with me. You have to begin your thinking with me. You have to begin your wonder with me. You have to begin your questions with me or you're going to miss it because I am the beginning. All of us have an an omega point. All of us have this point to which we are aiming. Some striving, some pursuit, some goal in life. And Jesus says, I am it. I'm it. I am the alpha and the omega. Every single person in this room is answering those questions or looking for answers to those questions in something. But the question is, what are they telling us? What are they telling us? Well, look what Jesus is going to tell us. Verse 4. Grace to you and peace. Again, not confusion, not terror. Grace to you and peace. From whom? From him who is and who was and who is to come. Jesus says that because he's the Alpha and the Omega, he is the one who will always give you, always give you grace and peace. How do you feel right now other than hot? (laughs) Beginning another year, look, it's always exciting, but if you're honest, you know it's equally as terrifying. It always is. Everything, man, four years, it's never going to let up because I see it more and more and more every year. Everything around you, everything around you, and I mean everything, looks at you and screams at you, succeed or else. Succeed or you are a failure. That's uh, that's another route as to why I say every week I want this to be a safe place because, at least hopefully on this campus, you can find one hour where that is not the case. Everything in your life is saying, succeed or else. Some of you, even now on the second day of class, are saying to yourself, Am I going to make it? Some of you are so lonely already, you're thinking, Am I ever going to find friends in this place? Am I going to find the right friends? Some of you know for a fact, whether you admit it or not, that you were big fish in small ponds. And now you're asking yourself, am I going to be significant here? Or are people going to think I'm a nobody? You know, Most of you got your syllabus yesterday and today, right? And you look over that thing and you're like, how in the world am I supposed to do all this in three months? Right? Everything around you says, succeed or else. And if you're honest, it terrifies you. And you got to hear what Jesus says at the outset and what He will say over and over and over again. What is He going to give you? Grace and peace. You're never going to hear Jesus say, you really just need to suck it up this one time. He is never going to say that. Grace and peace. And John knows that he will never say that because John lived with him, walked with him, and loved him. And so what John is going to say in Revelation 4 is come with me to the throne room of God Himself and look at the One who is seated there. He is more beautiful and more majestic than anything you have ever imagined. He's going In Revelation 5, he's going to say, look at the lion of the tribe of Judah who is worthy to open the seals, but who at the same time is a lamb who was slain so that he could claim for his God a people from every nation, tongue, tribe, and language. Revelation 19, he's going to say, look, a rider on a white horse with flame in his eyes and a sword coming out of his mouth. What do you do with that? And a tattoo on his thigh that says, King of kings and Lord of lords. And in chapter 21, that same rider, a groom, who cannot wait to be with his bride. And who promises from his throne that he will make all things new. That's what John wants to show us. Eugene Peterson makes the point that John, in this book, it's much better to think of him as a poet than a theologian. John isn't trying to explain us anything. He's trying to show us something. Like a poet. He's trying to make something happen as we read. We don't have more information after we read a poem, right? Or after we read this book even per se. But we do have more of an experience. And that's what John's doing. And what Jesus Himself promises you of that experience is grace and peace. Peace to actually be comfortable with who you really are. Peace to actually go to sleep at night and let tomorrow be anxious for itself. Peace to meet new people and to actually let them get to know you without the fear of rejection. Grace when you disappoint yourself or someone else. Grace when you miss a workout or when you actually enjoy a meal of food for the first time in a long time. Grace, when you do what you said you'd never do ever again. Grace and peace. I just want to leave you with this question tonight. If that is what John wants to show us, isn't it at least worth taking a look? At least. It's a great scene. I don't know if you've ever read the Chronicles of Narnia, but... I think my favorite book in the series is The Voyage of the Dawn Treader. At the end of that book, Lucy and Edmund, the two younger Pevensey children, they realize at the end, as they're meeting with Aslan, that they're not coming back to Narnia again. And they're obviously sad and they can't help but hold back the tears. And this is Lucy's interaction, Lucy and Edmund's interaction with Aslan. It isn't Narnia, you know, sobbed Lucy. It's you. We won't meet you there. And how can we live never meeting you? But you shall meet me, dear one, said Aslan. Are you there too, sir, said Edmund. I am, said Aslan. But there I have another name. You must learn to know me by that name. This was the very reason why you were brought to Narnia, that by knowing me here for a little, you may know me better there. Friends, week after week, I promise you, it won't be perfect. But our goal is going to be to hold up and offer to you, as he offers himself, Jesus. That's what we're about. That's it. That's what we want to be about. out. But again, it won't be perfect. But that's okay. You know why? Because it doesn't begin and it doesn't end with us. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the one who loves us. He's the one who has freed us. And He is the one who has secured us eternally grace and peace by His own blood. I've got something to show you. Will you come and take a look? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this glorious vision of Jesus. Father, we want to see him more clearly. We want to know him. We want to cling to him. Would you do that for us? Would you help us? Would you give us hearts? that could do that. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.